All right, my name's Matt Barr and you are listening to episode 100A of the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast, the show where I try and uncover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Thanks for listening to and or downloading this episode of the show and I hope you enjoy it. One for the purists, that opener. And for the purposes of the rest of this intro, I'm going to assume you'll be listening to both parts of this episode 100 bonanza. Because yeah, that's right, like somebody having a landmark birthday that never ends. Yep, I did do that on my 40th birthday. I've decided to mark this uh, moment in truly self-indulgent fashion by releasing two episodes at the same time and calling them both episode 100. Now, I did mention that plan to an old friend of mine the other day and he looked at me and said, you know that's not how numbers work, right? Um, You can't have an 100A and 100B. Well, he's right, of course, but then I'm right too because it's my podcast and I'll do what I want and that means doing just that in this case. And the thing is, for this ascension to triple figures, I wanted to do something that would stoke my loyal listeners out and nod to the spirit of the podcast that's been developing over the last 100 episodes, which meant interviewing two people who represent two different parts of our little world, Danny McCaskill for episode 100A and Nicholas Muller for episode 100B. You in? All right, let's go then. So to episode 100A, which you're listening to now, and my guest for this one is Danny McCaskill. He is, of course, a professional street trials bike rider who's one of the great stars of the viral age, really. And in many ways, his career is emblematic of the way that action sports and the wider media landscape have evolved over the last decade. Because Danny, as most of you will probably know, first came to fame with the release of his first film 10 years ago. It was a short he put together with some mates around Edinburgh. And as Danny's been on record saying for years now, he expects it to go absolutely nowhere beyond his immediate circle of friends. And to say that he was wrong on this front would be to flirt fairly dramatically with understatement because the thing went fucking mental. I remember it well because this was about the time Twitter started to become a real cultural force. And it was really that medium that enabled the film to become the defining viral hit of that particular period. I mean, when Stephen Fry and Lance Armstrong are tweeting your film, you really have reached an exalted level of global reach and cut through. So it was that Danny's career was launched with Red Bull picking up soon after among other many sponsors. Now I met Danny around that time at an event I was working on for Red Bull and found him to be a dazed, affable and generally lovely lad who was trying to get his head around the strange turn of fate that changed his life. And like everyone else, I then watched on us for the next decade. Danny released a string of films that seemed to creatively and effortlessly raise the bar with each release. Naturally, I've been keen to get him on the podcast for years and as the months passed, I began to think that he'd be the perfect guest for episode 100. Happily, he was keen. So in August 2019, myself and Owen headed up to Edinburgh to meet him and record this episode. I was keen to hear the whole story and above all, to get his own perspective on the whole crazy last decade. So that's what we did and here's how it went down. Me and Danny McCaskill, decade, enjoy. How's it going? You good? Very good, thanks. Yes. Yeah. How's the knee? Uh, it's doing all right. Doing all right. I just uh, had a little crash and doing our shows here in the meadows just the other day, and um, I uh, have torn my meniscus but this time in my good knee, which is actually quite good because my left knee couldn't take much more of this. But um, right. And then I've ruptured a ligament of some kind and fractured a little bit of bone. But 
It's and actually that, not. It's not giving me too much swelling, so I'm still able to ride a little bit on it. And and that's on that really like kind of innocuous little slam that you just showed me. On yes, the video. it's always that's always the way. I think. I mean, I mean, you never you're never expecting crashes. Yeah, um, and usually if it's the big tricks, you're kind of geared up for. Yeah, you know, I don't know. You'll have a bit more. You're a bit more ready to react to it, maybe. But uh, it's always the little ones, like stubbing your, breaking your toes in the bottom of your bed, or yeah, it looked like you kind of just caught your foot and then like yeah, went just, over weirdly on it, maybe. Yeah, just basic stuff. But. Yeah. So what what's the crack? Are you can you ride now? Because you're doing a bit of riding, right? On the yeah. Yesterday I tried to ride uh, again. Like I saw, uh, got scans on it uh, last Thursday, and um, yeah, just. Uh, gonna just try it out yeah to try it out in the shows i, I rode yesterday didn't swell up too much it's right. not actually that painful um which is good but it's usually just when you start getting fluid in your knee yeah that's usually the kind of when you start getting issues with it not being able to flex right and all that but we're just doing i was doing some balance stuff in the shows and yeah basically just trying to show face yeah have you got someone that can come in then and do your main part uh yeah i've got uh, my mother flatmate ali clarkson yeah uh, jumped in to save the day so he's doing some of the bigger stuff that i was doing in the shows um right and i might work my way back up we'll see how it reacts these next few days and then uh yeah i'm not not usually i mean usually you're riding on injuries this is the kind of one i'd probably rest a little bit more but right we're right in the middle of uh doing 25 shows yeah you're quite committed aren't you really yeah it's a bit of a bad and they're time all, they're all sell out as well so yeah you know, like there's a lot of people relying on it and things so looks like it's been going well yeah it's been good yeah when I mean, it's our f- first time doing shows uh in edinburgh with drop and roll which yeah. is quite crazy because uh, this is kind of where it all began for me here yeah. in, in the meadows and ten, 10 years yeah yeah 10 years ago so uh it's really cool to be back here with um with drop and roll and especially part of the festival yeah it's kind of something we talked about for ages and finally it's working did you try and make it like a bit more of an involved production then because you yeah um and it's been something quite different for us because we, we usually travel all over europe uh, and the world with our current setup that goes in the back of a trailer yeah um but in the the big top we've, we're in here down in the meadows um it's a much tighter area than we would use if we were outdoors or had our normal space it's right. about half the size so we've had to figure out a more theatrical show where we've got obstacles coming in and out yeah and right so the changeover between bringing bits in and out yeah and how that works yeah and of course it's the festival so you need there's a little bit more competition than yeah. uh if you're doing like a a show at a festival or a a high footfall event let's yeah. say you know somewhere in the continent so it's uh yeah when people are paying to come and see you you feel like you need to make it a little bit more of a show yeah so how long does it take to prepare for something like this then because obviously you've got the concept haven't you of drop and roll that's what like four years old maybe four or five um yeah i mean myself and my friend duncan shaw that we've been uh we've been running or we've been doing shows together for years and uh we kind of wanted to do something that was a little bit bigger and better than the stuff we had done before uh, or try to make the sort of coolest trial show we could yeah um so we just have all these kind of boxes and ramps that go in the back of a trailer we have a really good commentator henry jackson yeah who comes from the the snow uh snow world yeah um, doing yeah, all this kind of commentary. last night he looked he looked pretty tired well, yeah he's actually. been he's been really i mean he's yeah. he really is running the show i mean he's got yeah. definitely the hardest job he's talking for yeah, he a solid hour doesn't lack energy that lad no does he? no yeah um so he's really good 
and uh, we just kind of tried to make it a little bit of fun, you know, it's yeah. almost a little bit kind of slapstick, kind of pan. There's a little bit of almost panto in there, you know. Yeah, yeah, it comes um, across actually. Yeah, yeah. Because did you see the show last well, night? Well, yesterday? no, but I've seen. We missed it actually. Oh, did you? Because oh, our, our flight was an hour and a half delayed. Ah, oh, nightmare. So we got here. I think it was about twenty minutes ago on the, and then, yeah, for it was pretty annoying to be honest. We could hear Henry. Ah, nightmare. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, um, no, it's. I mean, I I've seen like the you know stuff online and that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, we were gutted. We were like, it was one of them. We were on the plane, just like, oh fuck, because we got on the plane. And they were like, so we're going to take off in an hour. And we were just, because it was pretty tight anyway. Yeah. And we were a bit like, oh, fuck it. Um, yeah, so I missed it, unfortunately. But yeah, chatted to Henry last night, though. And he was explaining. I mean, it just sounds like it's been quite a lot of work, really. To, yeah. To prepare for it. And it has. I mean, it's, yeah, a lot. there's been a lot of work in quite a short amount of time. And we've got the basic show that we tour with. So we all, writing-wise, we kind of know a fair about what we were going to do yeah. it was just trying to kind of organize it in a different way right in here and then at, we at, we built some new features and and of course we we brought in bmx as well which is by far the biggest kind of challenge in that space yeah um was building some some new ramps one of them had to be made out of perspex because right. it's, it's viewable from three sides so yeah we had to have uh to some you know a ramp that you could that didn't block the crowd sure so that was quite a a sort of nightmare to build seems like you quite enjoy this side of it though like these technical challenges with uh, with with this obviously with this project but with a lot of the stuff that you do is yeah i mean for sure there's a problem solving element to it right yeah for sure for sure for the videos and and with the shows the shows are a little bit different it's more just like it's good when you get it done it kind of lasts a long time you know you kind of go with it but um for sure for the videos you know if it was easy then probably wouldn't make it into the videos it's it's cool to come up with stuff that you really don't know if it's possible until you go there and do it so yeah, yeah. so is that a big part of how you like come up with the concepts when you when uh, to, to sort well, of set yourself a challenge that a little bit um i mean i'm kind of thinking of the bow roll in danny daycare as well because that it, with the trailer something like that because that looks it's you know what i mean the way they kind of go around the sort of video process is um I try not to do, I try with each video, I try not to make something that can be compared to the last one. Yeah. Well, they're all really distinct, aren't they? Yeah. I try to make, yeah, I try to sort of make the films as if we've never made a film before. Right. And if somebody came across it, they're kind of getting something, hopefully a little bit new that they haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I I look a lot around the sort of, um, especially in the action sports kind of world. Uh, and certain types of films where there's a lot of amazing athletes out there um but they quite often make sort of very similar videos yeah it's to pretty, one another there's a well there's a formula isn't there yeah there's like a formula you know especially i mean i come from the bike world yeah i look at a lot of say sort of street bmx mountain bike and say in mountain bike you kind of get your classic shred it style yeah. video if that's what you call it yeah where well, somebody basically goes to a bike park over jumps all the jumps yeah smashes the turns yeah really cool puts it to some uh you know some fun music but quite often unless they've really done something insane yeah then it's you, forgettable you forget yeah. forget about it. it's like ticking a box a little bit where with that same sort of skill set you could maybe find uh a cooler location that stands out or i don't know i mean that's 
that's something I really enjoy, or because I have the luxury. I mean, I'm not a, com- a competition athlete. Yeah. Um, I'm not having to kind of. My world isn't basically trying to be on the podium. Yeah. Um, you've got, but you've got the time, really. I guess. Y- yeah. To, exactly. To, to think these things through, but you, yeah. But then you've kind of earned the right for that time, and also like when you came out, like you said earlier, it's ten years. That was probably why that stood out so much, right? Because it definitely had a different, like it, you know, compared to the kind of bog standard stuff that that you did, like you said, that most of these films are. Mm-hmm. It definitely stood out, didn't it? It's a different. Yeah, approach. I mean, that was a kind of for me the inspired bicycles film back in two thousand nine was a little bit of a a perfect storm, let's say, because I've been I've been riding for a long time, yeah. doing a lot of sort of trials kind of riding, but I'd also been quite interested in trying to do a few more BMXy kind of tricks. Definitely influenced a lot by riders like Martin Ashton, Chris Hackrig, Hans Ray in the trials world. Yeah. And then um, also hugely influenced by my flatmate at the time, Dave Sowerby, who uh, was um, a really shit hot um, BMX rider, but also a really uh, good filmmaker. Yeah. And had a big interest in, you know, not just... uh, you know, when we'd watch the newest BMX DVD, we wouldn't just be watching it to, to just watch the cool writing. Yeah. It'd be also, look how cool the the way that was edited to that song. And I started kind of getting a bit more of an interest in... Right. So I was there from the start. Yeah. I mean, there's big there's films, like there's a, a film called uh, Grounded, Etnies Grounded, which had a huge impact on me. It's also the film uh, Fully Flared, Back in two thousand eight, yeah, skate yeah. film, yeah, the um, yeah. yeah, the Lakai yeah. film, um, and uh, you know those films really kind of they're a package, aren't they? Those films, yeah, you know, it's like the music, the creativity, yeah, it's filmed well. It's like something like the end, isn't it? You know, it's like a concept to it where it's it's a bit more than a skate film, or yeah, yeah, and it was also the kind of sort of types of music that were going on in there as well, like some of the kind of more emotive, yeah, kind of styles of music rather than kind of just full on kind of writing and and uh just writing 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 or whatever the whole time so that's kind of how inspired kind of came around i was going to say so you were purposely trying to even at that time uh, pop, i mean it wasn't pop, it wasn't ever packaged together uh, yeah a little bit i mean i i'd basically i had made a few kind of little films uh previous to 2009 but it was the kind of thing you go out and film for a day It'd yeah. be like a day trip somewhere or and you wouldn't necessarily ever put any sort of real time into getting a good line down exactly how you wanted it. Yeah. Whereas when Dave um, offered to make the film uh, or do a little bit of filming with me back in 2008 uh, after he broke his leg, I kind of saw that as an opportunity to really try to, well, just put down some of the writing I'd always wanted to do in Edinburgh, really. Yeah. That was it. Um, so we filmed for maybe 10 days. Um managed to get a bunch of kind of clips in the bag and that kind of gave me a foundation then to start kind of maybe look set my sights a little bit higher right um and i started kind of thinking about things like trying to long right along top of a spiky fence or flipping off the tree or gapping between some rooftops um which was kind of fairly out there for me you know in terms of my riding level really so you were yeah you were pushing yourself yeah it was kind of just stuff that but i knew well i thought i could maybe at least give it a go and even if i crashed i was it was getting documented so i'd never really had that before right so that did that was that a big part of what pushed you then the fact that like actually yeah i mean it was part very much personal you know it wasn't yeah. like i was doing it 
for other people to see yeah it was more like i really want to just do the the best i can because getting to film with dave was like a a really sort of rare opportunity yes you wanted Um, to take advantage of that yeah yeah so do you remember being pleased when it when you finished it do you remember thinking it represented what you're trying to do yeah i mean we really we put the time and we filmed i think about 25 days over um six months or something like that through through winter edinburgh winter which wasn't easy um and i yeah i remember i ticked almost every box that i wanted to for the film and then we were kind of deliberating on music um at one point we had the the track i think it had been used at for planet earth at the time that hoppy polar track you yeah know, by sugar ross it was always or it was the the rap by the walkman, the walkman. yeah that yeah. was also in there there was a few different ones and i remember i went back off to sky to cut the pizza with my dad kind of classic <laughs> chukter stuff <laughs> and uh when i got back uh david um he'd been sat and he had he had picked the track yeah um you know the van horses yeah the funeral um so yeah i remember watching it and just being pretty sort of happy with my, really happy with my writing yeah really i mean the dave's editing to that you know it's kind of got it's like zoomy camera and all that kind of thing yeah yeah there's some real um, like the way it all works together is again one of the reasons that it really stood out the song choice is great right it like really really worked yeah i mean i would say i would say the song probably makes up at least 50 percent of the video yeah well you that, but that, like you say that's that's a big part of it isn't it putting these things together i mean that's they're, they're kind of seminal aren't they when you're a kid and you see those parts where the music like properly works with the riding and yeah so you've talked about it quite a lot but it sounds like you were quite surprised by the response oh yeah massively i mean the for me, like I, I, there was like one website pretty much in the world where like trials would congregate. You know, um, this was kind of pre, well, almost pre Facebook and all that kind of thing. Um, there's a, a website called trialsforum.co.uk, and uh, that was the kind of place that you'd, you know, the trials community would upload their videos, and I thought, oh, it'd be cool to to show. Um, then what I'd been up to because it would, I knew it was something a little bit different you know not many folk had been able to spend that much time yeah working on a, on a video like that and um so that's where you know my sponsor at the time Inspired Bicycles they uploaded it to YouTube and popped it on to Trials Forum and even there it started having a little mini viral yeah. you know um and it was really from that website it kind of then branched out into the mountain bike world um sort of the next day and then from there it kind of started branching further afield you know um and that was in the days where youtube links were easily shared on facebook or yeah. it was, i think it was before facebook video player and all that sort of stuff so that was the youtube was the only real um well youtube and video vimeo was the only real players well, it was kind of early days of twitter as well wasn't it yeah so like i yeah. remember i remember being, that was around the time I first started using Twitter and that being one of the first like real viral things actually where it seemed to transcend everybody you know you got people yeah. like Lance Armstrong sharing it haven't you and you know something like global audience kind of thing yeah even like Stephen Fry and folk like that were retweeting it yeah things. so it was yeah it's a funny it was a funny one it was really such a surprise and uh, I was definitely not ready for any of it at all so. well, I, well I met you about four months after that i think we yeah. did that 
okay. thing with Red Bull. And yeah, I remember chatting to you about it and you were definitely a bit like, this is pretty mental. <laughs> this is... Yeah, well, it just really wasn't, it was never what we kind of made it for. Yeah. So we, um, I, I, to be honest, I was already kind of booked up doing shows uh, with a, a stunt team or a, a trials team that I'd started with my friend called the Clan Scottish Cycle Stunt Team. Right. I'd already, I had so many shows booked throughout the summer that I just sort of stuck to doing those. I had all these requests doing much more mainstream kind of events or talk shows and things like that. But for me, I just wanted to kind of let the dust settle a little bit before I started making any rash decisions. Yeah, wise move, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely Dave's influence a little bit on that. Really? I mean, he's, Dave's very much a core yeah. sort of BMX guy. Um, and I kind of, I mean, I, which I have massive respect for. So it was kind of, I'd always kind of think to myself, well, you know, I mean, I still to this day do the same thing with work. Right. I kind of, I think, well, what would, if I was still working in the bike shop yeah, and I was watching somebody else doing what I'm doing, um, would I have respect for the... Would you think it was shit? Yeah, well, yeah, you... well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I still to this day think that. I mean, there's sometimes you can be maybe too core and miss out on some really cool opportunities. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm pleased I did that. Yeah. Especially in the beginning there. Yeah, and, well, because you then started working with people like Red Bull right and I guess that was when you had opportunities to do all the projects so it looked like you kind of chose them quite carefully yeah I was at the end of 2009 I, I took on some management yeah so there's um, a company called Resolution yeah in Munich it's Tarek Rizzoli who's really involved in the mountain bike world especially the freeride world he used to be a freeride yeah mountain biker himself but unfortunately um, had a bad accident as uh sort of paraplegic now but uh he does so I much i didn't actually realize that yeah so he's uh he's done so much with the mountain i mean he's kind of did, did a lot of the big free ride events back in the day with uh, nissan like the Kashkai series and yeah. then um a lot to do with uh a lot of the other events that are going especially over in europe right you know um all the big sort of free ride events yeah and has managed quite a few of the the free ride athletes as well so for me, it was really important to be part of mountain biking. Yeah, you know, I, had, I had some more mainstream um, management firms. Yeah, I, let's bet, say. I bet you were getting offers left, right, and yeah. center at that point. But I didn't want to be suddenly having to do credit card adverts or. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've well, had plenty of those those yeah, requests yeah. coming over the years. So it's, yeah, I bet. But yeah, you got to choose that carefully, haven't you? Because obviously, like you say, it came from a a legitimate place didn't it you, know, yeah. you weren't trying to you didn't go like right i'm gonna make this video and get a huge profile it was more a byproduct of what you did wasn't it yeah exactly it's i did yeah i just didn't want to end up kind of doing work that i was hate you know hating doing so yeah so did, did you guys kind of actively plan it then did you sit down and think what what's the best i mean route Tar here yeah Tarek had a i mean he's he was a red bull athlete or still is an ambassador to this day um so in the beginning, there was actually there was a number of um, energy drink uh, sort of options. Let's say, yeah, you know, some of them were more clear than others. Red Bull was actually fairly like I'd met I'd met um, up with an athlete manager in the UK a number of times, Robbie Henderson. And I remember kind of couldn't decide if they were 
would want a trials rider on board or not and it was quite vague because what the way that rebel work is they sort of get to know you first to make sure you're right for the yeah the brand uh whereas maybe the other brands at the time were a bit more like well this is what we'll sort of pay you yeah we can give you this budget for this project it's kind of a bit more straight up yeah and i didn't really know the sort of difference in all that kind of stuff but I remember humming and hawing a little bit in the beginning but right yeah, I mean, I look back and I kind of not laugh about it, but it was just the kind of opportunity again I got through Red Bull on that was um, it's worked well for me. Let's say you know. Well, it looked like they gave you the freedom to then explore these things that you wanted to do and like have this creativity that you're talking about. You know, like looking at the whole project, looking at location, music. Because also the thing that strikes me about them, the level of detail that you go to as well, even down to like, you know the outfits and the and the and the bikes like matching landscape and stuff like that it's really well considered right when, yeah there is, yeah there is sometimes it's not as well considered as you might think right it's just sometimes luck but yeah the first i mean the first video i did with red bull was the way back home and was actually robbie henderson that um he mentioned the idea of actually going from edinburgh back to sky i kind of done inspired which was a street video yeah. around edinburgh although it's not completely street sort of has trees and yeah, yeah. other stuff in it it's definitely yeah. in the town uh whereas i knew if i tried to one-up myself in the next film that I would never you know if i did the same inspired video but I just did an extra 180 in each trick yeah you're not going to get the serve not that it's about trying to get the same reaction each time yeah but it sounds like you want to try and challenge yourself to do yeah or if like i'm it. gonna if i'm gonna put the energy in i may as well make it something sort of new and different so yeah i had this insane ambition to do this really cool video through you know from edinburgh back to sky yeah crazy plans things like i was i had planned to jump off like a 140 foot bridge the sky bridge into the sea (laughs) off my bike right i was gonna get rent s and a flex for the day right i had stuff on top of the coolings i had all right so you had all these ideas at that point yeah i mean i had i'd written down like i mean i I actually broke my collarbone three times in six months just after signing with Red Bull. So Jesus. I had a lot of time to sit on my sofa and um, right. same do one. some... Yeah, same one. Right. So I had a lot of time to search through Google Images. Um, I was basically trying to find man-made objects that were in the Scottish countryside. You know, things like dams, yeah. old ruins, foundations, um, telephone boxes. People, things, it was important to find, I think for me things that people could relate to yeah because if you start kind of writing on rock and other stuff then it can definitely be a little bit um harder for people to get their head around whereas you're writing a telephone box everyone can look yeah they they know exactly what it is so well i think that's why the bike itself is so relatable as well isn't it because everybody rides a bike everyone everyone can actually put themselves in that position and and be like wow okay they can get how difficult it is yeah or they you maybe watch it and you think oh i could give that a go and then you jump on and then you're like oh yeah so do you do that quite a lot with those projects like put that level of research in when you're i try to yes yeah i mean i find having a good concept now i mean i fucking funnily i wrote a book a few years ago which is something i'm so far out the realms of what i would normally do yeah but it kind of came about that I could write this sort of book but one of the chapters was you know the videos yeah but I kind of realized when I'm writing that uh, that the 
the concept was actually almost more important than the writing really to me these days which was a weird thing to admit a good concept for me is something that um is going to allow you to get really creative with the writing yeah and it it maybe sometimes lets you get away with tricks gives you the platform yeah can i give it to get away with stuff that you might not be able to if you just if it was a random you know if i was front flipping over an exercise ball let's say yeah in a gym or something then i mean in a gym environment couldn't it could work but it might not be that kind of legit yeah but as part of like a bigger concept if it was meant to be a toy or a kid's bedroom floor and we had a much bigger yeah concept around it with lots of other things like that then it becomes it kind of works or makes that concept come alive that's kind of interesting is that linked to the progression part of it as well and does it does it just as a rider does it give you almost like permission in a way because you've mentioned a couple of things now you've said like the first film it was almost like the opportunity that you had to film and you were like okay that's going to push me to to push my ride in does it does it kind of help you progress that side of it as well yeah i mean for by giving you the right context almost you know what i mean yeah for sure and i mean it kind of in some ways it's an easy way out i mean the hard the hard thing to do would be to go back and do a street film again and do it good enough you know up my riding level high enough that it was you know it had the same effect again whereas it's actually much easier i find it a lot easier uh, to kind of come up with these sort of different concepts right and then come up with sort of sometimes more random riding you know say doing a front flip over an exercise ball or a barrel over an exercise ball or i'm trying to think what i mean hay bale yeah hay bale or log slides or deep you know riding through a six foot deep puddle or there's countless other ones do you, bump, do you bump. feel do you feel like there because the way you phrase that you said it's almost easier so it sounds like a bit like sometimes you wonder if you're copping out a bit that- well, it's not necessarily copping out i just i i don't know how to describe the way i feel about the films i really i just really really enjoy making them yeah but i think after inspired and especially with the way back home i kind of realized that it was a challenge to to make something that I was sort of happy with and maybe something if you were trying to make if you started trying to make say viral videos which is really not an important part of it for me you know no secondary secondary but I really enjoy the sort of challenge of working with my friends yeah on making something that's not just going to work for the core scene you know of of, uh, trials and mountain bike but something that if somebody's never seen mountain biking before ever comes across on the internet they can kind of get it yeah well you know what I mean? well it's kind of worked as well because when you look at the arc of the films way back home the one on the sky the ridge right mm-hmm. yeah stuff like cascadia they're all really particular concepts and they're all rooted in a place definitely and the riding relates to the place it seems seems like you've had to really like think about what you're going to do by the confines of where you are and they do stand alone as like things that people can get their head around and they're all really different yeah it, lo- it, it looks like it's been successful from the outside yeah thanks i mean it's yeah it's just been a lot of fun but i see you don't it's kind of using the skill set that i've got you know even like although i have progressed in the last 10 years for sure i mean i could probably still do all the writing you know if i was uh, if i could take my 10 year old or 10 years younger self and 
you know, I could have done all the same writing if I'd had the ideas for it. If you know what I mean, I was probably actually a better writer probably ten years ago. Right. <laughs> Realistically, if I was less creaky than I am today, yeah. but um, I don't know. I just sort of see it as a a good use of my sort of abilities. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Because um, if I if I was trying to one up myself, and I see it a lot, you know, as I hope nobody takes offence when uh, when they're listening to it. But I see it a lot in other sports where people are doing the same as everybody else yeah a lot and then you know and there it's insane and it'll be but it'll be the core that really respects it you know which i think is very commendable you know but if you just give it a little bit of a tweak yeah say like a little bit of content i mean there's a lot of really good content out there that also does this but you do a little bit of a tweak or maybe be a little bit more creative than you know adding a an extra spin into something or yeah just make it purely about the progression you can, you can do something that the core is gonna really respect but yeah. then you might have a little bit more opportunity just outside of that as yeah. well or you don't have to i mean it's seeing the the risk or the i mean i've watched a lot of skateboarding and some of the stuff i mean you well, these come, days it's it's insane it's insane it? you know and like the, it's the craziest things and you know they they go all in for a part and i don't know i don't know i don't know really what i'm saying it's hard i mean it's just the the risk to reward can be a little bit uh sort of lower yeah well i think you can it just depends what you're into i suppose yeah but i think the the ones that stand out are are doing what you're saying though you know if you look at someone like travis rice you know like just as an example like it's got same thing got the package got like the riding the progression but also the kind of creative element to it which does help it transcend you know the core is obviously going to love it but equally anyone can kind of relate to it and it makes it just something a, a bit above doesn't it you definitely know? yeah definitely and it's usually the most creative stuff i mean if you look at um i mean sometimes that's not always the it might be a bit frustrating for some folk but i mean some of my favorite uh skaters are folk like um richie jackson um, yeah amazing the sort of land pirate i don't know what he'd call him but, yeah and then uh but he gets a lot of shit doesn't he yeah i mean he's he's something he's quite outspoken on the yeah, old uh, internet these days sometimes Instagram you're like you kind of just want to chill out on that a wee bit maybe but yeah. um well he's kind of he's kind of living it isn't he yeah and then you've got in bmx there's uh tate roscoe or El- eric elstron those guys have had a, a huge influence on me um also stephen hamilton back in the day yeah um and many more. There's many more guys, um, but those ones are the, the sort of more creative stuff t- tends to transcend yeah. into the mainstream more. Not that that's what it's all about at all, because you can get. I mean, cat videos get <laughs> millions and billions of this, views. Or this gate people play follow. smells like Teen Spirit. Fifty oh, I mean, million views. The like. internet is absolute <laughs> rubbish. I mean, YouTube is so full of complete trash, and yeah. like the weirdest stuff goes viral. Yeah, but it's it's cool if you could do something that you're really proud of a lot of energy into something that you like to think still kind of got your kind of core values yeah but it still manages to sort of transcend into the mainstream as well hopefully gives people a bit more than watching i don't know somebody clotheslining themselves and yeah. washing liners i don't know whatever it is yeah, yeah. that goes viral tomorrow you've mentioned the core a few times is that and obviously you're pretty aware of of that do you, do you ever have you ever felt any kind of kickback from that or have you have you managed to? I mean, I'm, I come from a very 
sort of mellow scene yeah and mountain bike and we're very um supportive it supportive seems. Yeah. yeah i mean in some ways sometimes maybe a little bit even in trials sometimes there's maybe not enough trash talk right about some you know they're almost too forgiving yeah. i think a little bit of quality control is a good thing you yeah know, if, that's if, kind of what it's about that it starts from that good honest place doesn't it you yeah know, being like right we got to protect it and make sure it's doing the right way but sometimes it can oh it can get nasty become in become I mean, snobbery like, basically can't it yeah, yeah i mean on some sites in bmx it would be sort of real nasty the smallest thing every everything's getting brought up yeah i mean mountain biking is the opposite i would say it's it's very you know it's got very open arms yeah. with all videos and content and unless it's e-bike related right you know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know it's um you got one yeah you got not one? yeah i bloody wish i mean santa cruz don't make an e-bike they're kind of definitely in the core i'd ride one in a heartbeat yeah so uh, i'm all about just mucking about and having fun yeah so, yeah um the more time i can spend going downhill the better i'd yeah. say but um maybe maybe one day but i don't think i'm anytime soon no so um i want to talk to you about sky because obviously the ridge seemed like it was you know in a way a bit of a kind of homage to where you're from as well as much as about the ride and seemed like it it's a really important part of the things that you do like showcasing you know your home environment and and is that is that fair to say yeah definitely i mean i'm definitely a sky a sky man through and through yeah it's definitely still home where my parents live up in dunvegan um and it's probably a cooler place than ever for me you know a lot of my friends moved away um you know after school kind of classic go away to study traveling or whatever but um so many of them moved back and are kind of doing a lot more with the island it used to be quite a kind of pub culture right people would work and go to pub which yeah. is not, nothing wrong with kind of you small know. town british thing isn't it yeah yeah and but there's definitely a lot more uh they're doing a bit more active stuff on the island you know going up in the mountains yeah. kind of getting in the sea and you know sky's got so much to offer like that which is really cool um and for me kind of going back and making the films there has been you know um something that's really cool for me i mean the 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 cool at the ridge was something i hadn't it wasn't like i'd been dreaming about dreaming about it for years right but you know like i was saying about trying to make films that are a little bit different each time i thought well i've not done anything on the mountain bike before yeah so myself and my friend Stu thompson who runs a company cut media uh we decided to we'd uh get a little bit of budget together and go and make a we film up on the Coolins, which I had never actually been to the top off before. Right. And uh, yeah, it really sort of, I don't know, I couldn't believe the way it turned out in the end, actually. It was one of the easiest films I think we've made. Um, burnt a lot of calories walking, but <laughs> the actual riding compared with doing these technical tricks down at a lower level, the riding for me up there was actually pretty straightforward. Right. Um, and you do twenty, you do a twenty-second run with a drone flying above you, yeah. And you've got twenty seconds of footage. You yeah, know, that doesn't happen when yeah, you're riding sure. the street. Bit, bit less labour intensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we we're really lucky with the weather as well. So, but there was there was one type, one moment when I was stood on top of this sort of pinnacle, yeah. inaccessible pinnacle. It's called. It's like a yeah. It's like the cover sort of shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's the sort of most famous part of the Black Coolins, I would say. Um, there was a time where I stood on top of that with my bike, with a drone flying around, with the 
the mist wisping over the top and I was thinking this is seriously cool yeah there's a little bit of kind of home sounds cheesy but sound, I was like not homecoming but I was like this is how I want to show off yeah like home has your relationship home. with it changed as you've got older because <laughs> you kind of left quite young right so no I would say it's I mean I appreciate it more yeah. than I did I think everybody maybe does that or maybe not depending where you come from but um it starts to sort of see home a bit differently as they get a bit older yeah you take it for granted yeah you know when you're you know I was on the school bus every day looking at these views wasn't often thinking oh man look how beautiful this island is you know you're more just bothered about doing your math homework or whatever but yeah. um yeah now I kind of realize what a cool place it is and especially it's the people you know it's like anywhere it's the people that make the place and yeah all my friends you know I'd say I've I can honestly say I've got like 40 really close friends that are, live all over the island. Yeah. So when you go home, there's always something to do and it's just a really good time. They're all yeah. a bit mad. And how was it learning to ride there? Uh, it was just, I suppose, like anywhere. I just had, I mean, I grew up uh, in a small village. I was lucky to actually have um, streetlights. Yeah. All in the modern age. Yeah. And um, so a lot of my friends lived outside the village you know, in r more rural areas. So I would kind of go out by myself at night and practice my skids and wheelies under the streetlights yeah. in the long, dark winters. And um, just bikes were always a big part of um, what I did with my friends when I was younger. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of energy as kids, um, just yeah. like any like any kids. Well, I, I, I've read your book and it sounds yeah. like there's a lot of fireworks going on. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really... I, I really Long. Honestly, feel I'm I'm I feel very lucky to have grown up somewhere that we had so much space. Yeah, you could kind of let it all out a bit by the sounds of it. If we were in an inner city, then for sure I, w I wouldn't be where I am now. That's for sure. I'd probably be locked up if I had that much energy. So. Did you have quite? Was it quite sort of destructive in a way? Needed an yeah, out, needed an outlet. You, you, I'm sure everybody's got that in yeah. in them that you like seeing things destroyed or destroying things it's just it's part of the game. things like rolling roll, <laughs> rolling boilers off cliffs or blowing up cars or you know ragging cars around fields and things like that. we wouldn't be stealing them obviously we'd be going to the you know there would often be like an old car next to like an old croft house and we'd go chap on their door and <laughs> ask if we could tow it away for them or pay them 50 quid for it or something and kind of to, it. <laughs> yeah we'd go take it over to a field that my parents had and we'd it would usually last a day before it was on its roof and on fire or something like that. But uh, yeah, it was an amazing place to grow up. I yeah. could have the freedom for that. And when did you kind of realise you were getting good? Like, because I mean, I'm guessing. Well, again, and I know from from reading the the book, you know, essentially you spent ten years practicing all day long, every day, right? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty pretty putting, much putting that time in and you know developing <laughs> what eventually became this kind of skill set that you referred to earlier yeah i think there's there's that time where you know there's a few films that i what you know i grew up watching there's films like tricks and stunts it's like a how-to video with martin ashton martin hawes or chain chain spotting which had a big influence on me back in 97 98 that's how i kind of first got into trials and then there was some more recent ones uh, like um ryan leach's film uh, manifesto that was another trial film and it was that had a big impact on me because he basically tried to take the hops out of trials right um and that's something that really stuck it's like one lesson that stuck with me a lot from that was 
trying to make trials a little bit more aesthetically pleasing okay. on the video. Yeah, so sure. rather than getting to the edge of something and just hopping, pogo stick in there for yeah. a while, trying to get your kind of shit together before you do the gap. You try to just do it all in one, like just do it as efficiently as you can. But there was around, I don't know, maybe 2003, 2004, there was a few videos that were coming out. And then, you know, when your writing level starts kind of getting close, you could start imagining doing the writing that some of the your heroes are doing, let's yeah. say. They're still, you know, they're still on a different level, but there was there was a little bit of that kind of time where you'd watch series like um, Dropping TV as well, which is a really cool series on Extreme Channel back in the day. Which had some trials riders, and there was some some of the guys in there. Sometimes think, oh, I could actually, I could do that, or right. maybe I could even do, sometimes maybe more. But it was never a goal of mine to be a professional uh, street trials rider, or or I never had a dream even of being a professional rider. I was going to say, it probably wasn't even really on the radar, right? As no. something that you could. It's not exactly like being a footballer, right? Well, you know what I mean, where there's like a clear path that you can you can follow if you want to do that or even skateboarding snowboarding you can look at it and go like oh yeah i could be like that guy presumably there wasn't really that I mean, context there w- to it i mean there was i mean there were the, there were some magazines in the uk like mountain bike uk which really did a good job of building up your heroes you know like i said martin ashton martin hawes steve pete rob warner number of other guys chris Ackrig as well big um but they kind of built these guys up into kind of idols yeah you know every month you'd be you couldn't wait to get your subscription and see what was going on in the world so it was you did see people that were able to make a living from writing yeah but it was never something that i i don't know i just never even has it as a had it as a goal right what did did you think you would do uh my main my main goal was when i left school because i knew there was nothing that was into enough to study you know, that was going to keep me off my bike, basically. If it was a sunny day, for sure, I'd be out riding my bike rather than doing a dissertation or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So I'd, I'd always wanted to go work in a bike shop called Bothy Bikes in Aviemore. Right. Um, that was a really cool shop, sold, like, coolest bikes, and uh, I kind of knew that was something I wanted to do. So that's what I did in 2003, right. early 2003. And um, I used to just ride my bike on my lunch breaks after work, just ride for fun all the time right and then after i kind of got a little bit bored of the riding eventually in aviemore i moved into edinburgh to kind of have a a new landscape to ride and i worked in a bike shop called mcdonald cycles there for a few more years and that's when i made the inspired bicycle film yeah um but never to make it was never going to be a sponsor me video or sure. anything like that i mean I was doing quite a few shows around Scotland at agricultural shows and in the schools as well. We did a lot of work in schools around that time. So, yeah, it just sort of, it worked out. Yeah. I mean, I was I was kind of always of the belief um, if you were good enough at something, then the right people would take notice. Yeah, if you just put the yeah. work in and kind of gave yourself not, that platform. Yeah, it's not necessarily the right way to think because I'm sure there's been many professional there's a lot of professionals out there that have gone and got it you know they've gone and got on the right company's radars you know by going but i think a lot of kids nowadays are maybe getting getting a bit too bothered about you know they need to get a sponsor yeah well, i was gonna say to i actually it. think so. it kind of is the right way to think because i think if you i almost think you have to learn that don't you that you when you're younger you definitely you see the end goal is the point 
You know what I mean? You think like like you're talking about like right, I want to be sponsored, and that's yeah. the thing. But you don't kind of realise that actually, if you want to get there, there's this whole there's a lot of work you've got to do, and mm-hmm. that's almost the point, isn't it? You know, so yes. if, you, if you've got that in your head as like I'm just going to concentrate on that, that's probably quite a healthy place to be, really. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have to be riding your bike because you love doing it. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think that's the you're never going to get good at something, or you could if you had just some strict parents that were making you do it or or whatever you know you might get good an instrument that way yeah you know which is the same as a bike but i don't know well it still comes down to like commitment yeah you just yeah you just have to put your time in you know and uh yeah i mean i try even to this day i I still try not to i I try not to make my bike my like a job right yeah i try try not to view like i should do right you know i mean i certainly on a level where I definitely should be doing that but I try to keep it so it's still you know fun and I you know I'm maybe just not as organized about everything as I should be but yeah I think that's important otherwise I'm just as soon as I stop enjoying being on it and I'm just doing it you know same doing a project just because I'm getting paid to do it or something like that then it's never going to be as good yeah, you pro- well, it'll probably come out in the end product as well, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, the 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 main big videos that you're seeing there are definitely sort of passion projects. Yeah, well, they they need to be, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Especially, it kind of brings me quite nicely to another question that I had because obviously, when you do these projects, it's a huge time commitment, and it's it's clearly like hundreds of hours of especially like certain tricks and certain situations, and you kind of use with interviews that I've read and sometimes you can use words like it's stressful like getting you know getting yourself to the point where you can achieve these things or it, it can feel like it's quite pressured is that part of it is that a necessary part of it you know if you've got some because you mentioned earlier about setting these goals that can be really you know you don't know how you're going to achieve and you've got to go through this problem solving part of it do you feel a pressure to do it are you putting that pressure on yourself I mean sometimes I mean they're only they're always very much sort of personal yeah. goals, you know. I mean, you look at what some folk are up to in the world, and you think, I mean, you look at some of the buildings that people are building, or some of the projects people take on. And you think, how on earth can a human sort of deal with that kind of pressure? Whereas I'm just making little, little uh, tricks for a video, my own little video kind of thing. But it's my own kind of goals. Um, Pressure-wise, it's funny how the tricks always seem to the sort of bangers for the videos always have seem to have the same process they all seem to take multiple days really i don't know why that is i mean that's something that you've recognized as as it's gone on yeah i think so you know if you looked at a sort of trend i think if it almost wasn't that hard then unless you've come up with a really good idea yeah you know what i'd sort of call good bang for your buck yeah yeah something if you you know you come up with a really good idea then um you know sometimes you something you can do in a day but then, you know, I, I also take a lot of inspiration. Like recently, I've been watching quite a lot of climbing stuff right. on, online. and um, That's quite that, a similar process, right? Well, similar, but not not even close. Not I wouldn't say on my level. Not In terms even of close. like time commitment though, you know. Oh, their, their stuff's even, it's ridiculous. If see, if, what's the Tommy? Tommy Caldwell. Have you or, seen the dorm wall? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That, traverse, I mean, that traverse section. That's I mean, a good example of it. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I was actually going to say. Or yeah. Adam Ondra is doing. You know, it's when those guys are at the sort of cutting edge of of their, or not even. It doesn't. You don't even have to be at the cutting edge. It's like setting their. You know, if a climber is basically wanting to do the next grade up. Yeah. 
quite often they're basically working on these projects for years yeah well that section so when like, that his partner i can't remember his name now i think um, he's, he's an adidas guy isn't he? oh what's his name i should know it yeah you know, you know like, but that yeah. section when the, he's trying to get that traverse and it's going on for weeks mm. and there's cameras on him and all that like watching that was that was so brilliant because that was like a really you know you really got like how deep he was having to dig and you know he's proper dredging it up to do it wasn't he yeah i mean it's something i find like hugely uh inspiring you know and i i'm like well i really need to i need to come up with i'd love to come up with some stuff in biking that had that that level of commitment almost yeah it was like a line you know maybe i have to be above water right. or something or i don't know what it is exactly but you really know. That's, that's what you kind of think well i just i don't know it'd just be cool yeah you know, i think it's just so cool that they're they're that committed you know they're able to put the time in and they're that commu- committed because climbing like the same as pretty much all extreme sports is fair it's very much like a personal goal it's quite pointless in a lot of ways like yeah. most sport yeah. it's like you know you're doing it i mean it, it's not pointless because you there's lots of people if you're in a you know part of a community they're all thinking, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. You but know? it's a kind of an end to itself, isn't it? Yeah, it's an end to itself. But it's funny with sport. I mean, it's like the videos and stuff. It's 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 odd. It's an odd, it's an odd thing, but it's so cool, the commitment that they put in. And even, like, I mean, climbing, you're really having to think about what weight you're at. And, yeah. you know, being in... You train your ass off over winter to, yeah. to be at the level to Got get to that next level. I am very far from that kind of mindset. <laughs> well, um, but that's why that film's so fascinating, because I think yeah. everybody's far from that aren't they when you see that level of application and commitment mm-hmm. it is impressive really i think i enjoyed that more than free solo actually that film i think i mean i think if they were able to film free solo i mean i mean obviously they had multiple days yeah and they could get much more yeah of course different different out yeah i mean yeah and also he, here's me going like yeah i didn't really like free solo <laughs> i mean i mean imagine being able to see uh i think it's hard to grasp the level of what Alex Honnold will achieve in that, you know, even yeah. even though you see it in video, see if you saw like, if you were if you could see a one take clip of him, yeah, going all the way up there, I think it'd be the most insane. It's like one of the most insane feats I think anybody's. Yeah, ever I think achieved. so, and, and it sounds really stupid, but I think the fact that he didn't die almost diminishes it in some way because it makes it seem like almost straightforward. Do you know what I mean? Like. Because the stakes are so high, and it's basically mm-hmm. he's either going to live or he's going to die. Yeah, and he and he lived, so it it doesn't. It's almost like it you don't appreciate quite what was at stake with it all. It's because when, he yeah, pulled it's, it off. It's when you see the reaction of his of his friends, filmer, yeah, yeah, or the you know his friends there, and no wonder. But it's when you sort of say Tommy talking or whatever Tommy Caldwell, and he's talking about the level, yeah. even of the climbing that he's doing there, and like. I don't know. Uh, yeah, again, that's another person. That's I don't have many heroes in the world. You know, yeah. I wouldn't say, uh, or with out with bikes. Yeah, sure. Um, but Alex, Alex Honnold's definitely up there. I'd love to have a chat with him one yeah, day. Yeah, he's pretty, pretty impressive he's individual. Definitely, just crazy stuff. Yeah, I do enjoy watching all his content. So. Yeah, yeah. So you talked about the injuries earlier and you've you kind of casually mentioned oh yeah i broke my collarbone like three times in six months and you know you mentioned your knee and stuff and it's a big part of it right is that do you are you just good at accepting that the fact that you're going to get injured and you're going to have to mentally deal with that yeah for sure i mean i think injury is part of any sport it doesn't matter if you're 
you know, on doing athletics, if you're climbing, surfing, whatever sport you're doing, if you're pushing yourself, you're gonna get injuries. Um, I mean, uh, like trials is actually quite slow speed. You know, generally it's something that you can get out of fairly easy as long as you're kind of calm about it. You can kind of get yourself out of things. Um, right. So you don't, I would say the hours to injury rate is fairly low. Okay. I, I don't know. So you can but kind then of I, square it. Sometimes, yeah, something like that. But then I also have broken, there must be almost 30 bones or something like that over the years. So yeah. it's, um, and lots of, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just part of it. Yeah. I mean, a, a little, you know, if you break something, it's just going to be six weeks. You can probably channel that energy into something. Yeah. Hopefully, um, constructive like scouting the next project well, i was gonna say it sounds like that's a good creative time yeah or or even healing up other injuries as well so you yeah. might have like a niggling ankle injury or knees or whatever else so you can maybe do a little bit of rehab stuff on that yeah which i'm not the best at if i'm honest I'm yeah not, right i'm not i don't have the gym very well programmed in into me it's, well, it's dull. a chore <laughs> it's a chore yeah it's a chore for me it's for not sure fun, basically yeah, yeah. But I mean, I need to look at the site, you know. But so it it definitely gives you a good um, what's the what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Just gives you some drive, you know, to get into the gym, get back on your bike as soon as you can, and yeah. get out to doing the fun stuff again as soon as possible. So yeah. And how much thought do you put into the music? Because that seems like that's a really really important part of it. Yeah, for sure. Music music's a massive drive. I would say in just my entire life it's become a massive drive right um when i first started writing to music back uh just before i left sky what would be like late uh maybe 2001 or something like that i used to use my mum's cassette player right and i would record some albums like uh had that uh faithless was it 8 p.m sunday 8, saturday 8 p.m or something yeah, sunday, yeah. yeah i can't remember what it was yeah. or um when i listen to that it just makes me think of riding wet streets around around dunvegan our music is um, so amazing for that, isn't it? Yeah. Like the way that it can, it can completely. You can hear a song and you can just instantly remember like where you first heard it. Well, that's that's the thing that's so cool about music is yeah. it has that effect on the brain. I don't know what it is that. I mean, I listen to good music for me is like, it's as good as eating the best thing you've ever eaten. Or yeah. I don't know how it's like a it's such a weird thing, but yeah, I, I can re definitely remember where I was when I heard certain songs and mm -hmm. like what what the environment was and what I was thinking and how it made me feel and yeah, kind of like smelling that way. Sometimes you you kind of get a smell and you're like Jesus, like sort of takes you back somewhere, doesn't it? Well, that I mean that's why the music's so important uh, for the videos yeah. that you're making and getting the right music to fit the tone that you're thinking, especially if it's like a a concept. Yeah, um, it's really important to match the music and you know where say the funeral matched inspired the riding that was going on in, um inspired bicycles so well or we tried to do more of a slapstick one round the countryside so we kind of chose the national express uh yeah by divine, divine comedy, comedy one wasn't it yeah yeah that yeah. worked really well actually because that's so, not like super obvious especially for them isn't it but it did yeah. work really well i mean it's something that i'll spend our I minute mean, it probably takes me longer to find the tracks yeah than it does to or I'll spend I'll spend every evening, every morning, driving to whatever, just trying right. to find music. I mean, it's pretty much from when I get up in the morning till I go to bed at night. I'll be listening to music, especially if I've got a project on the go. I'm always trying to find that perfect track. Right. 
Okay, so again, you, you're putting that work in, basically. Oh, I mean, it's so... But, I mean, like, it's got to the point where everything I listen to, you are visualising the video that would go to it. So, you know, you can imagine... Like, I'm not really an editor. It's such, like, I don't actually sit behind. But you know how writing... I don't know, you can just imagine the film that would... Maybe in terms of, like, a location you've once seen or... Right tricks or the way an intro would go together it's just such a big part of the way i think these days it's all music driven have you have you got ideas from it have you heard songs and kind of thought right i've got an idea for a new concept um, i'm trying to think of there's yeah for sure i mean i've got lots of ideas like i use um spotify these days which has completely changed my world really yeah. i think probably for most people most, you kind of get a bit complacent well, probably not the this musicians and their songwriting credits no i know no for sure like <laughs> well, i don't from them yeah like, no, no, i know what I you know. mean it's, it's, it is an incredible resource isn't it like it's oh i mean before you'd have to if you were lucky you could maybe rummage through somebody's cd collection yeah you know and get like you might find five new artists or something like that yeah. that you um but now you can just smash through so much different music and genres and yeah when when i was well it's, it's amazing how quickly it's changed as well isn't it <laughs> Sorry, it's because right. um you know i remember i'm early 40s and like when i was a kid you'd see you'd hear of a band and then you you'd, you couldn't hear them because you could never find the records so you'd like read of a band or whatever and then no one you'd know would have the music so you'd have to you know you might find someone had a, had a record or whatever so to go from that in like 20 years to like some, like every song ever it's, it's, it's pretty insane. incredible you, really it's like anything when you have a lot of something as well you can uh you get really complacent you know yeah I have so many music playlists that are saved into different categories with ideas for videos or a certain video you're um and i'm maybe putting at least 10 new songs or artists into this into my spotify somewhere in the list every day yeah but even at that level of new music you still find yourself like oh I need to keep finding more you know you're never happy yeah it's, endless. it's crazy yeah crazy with it but so you mentioned the book earlier and um it sounds like that was a mission how did you find doing that oh man because you dyslexic yeah right yeah so, pretty, pretty dyslexic so that's quite a thing to take on to sort of decide you're gonna well i guess you didn't just decide but um, that must have been quite uh, quite a challenge i mean I'd, I'd had the offer a few times from penguin uh to do a book um and to be honest I t it was something i turned down a bit because when you're writing a book especially an autobiography you're thinking well i kind of need to have had quite a lot of life experience to do that uh, and it was something i kind of kept on turning down and mainly because I don't read books. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I'm, it's a bit of a sad fact, really, because there's so much good stuff out there. But um, because I don't read books, I don't really know how, I don't know what I like or sure. how I could put it together. Whereas I'm so used to having so much control over, make, you know, how we make the videos, yeah. you know, like locations, style, music, editing, everything. I know exactly, or I've kind of got that formula quite kind of dialed yeah you're comfortable with that yeah. kind of form and yeah. whereas with this book i was like well well mainly what happens if it's shit and it's probably going to be shit if i don't <laughs> know what i'm i don't if because i don't 
know how to to put it. I'm, but obviously, there's people that out there that can help you with that. So. Yeah, like structuring and what you're gonna. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's like anything. It's just an entirely new world, isn't it? That you gotta get your head around. Yeah. So we um, so I worked. I worked with a ghostwriter, Matt, and uh, yeah, it was quite a process. Did you enjoy it? It was a hard. That's, that's a tricky one. Yeah, because it's not. It's not like a film where you can, again. I mean, it's the only it's the only book I've actually read cover to cover, which is a bit of a really sad thing to say. And it was the hard thing was that um, the story because I basically tell stories kind of like this. You yeah, know, I'd basically just tell tell tales and then he um, put it into a format. Kind of yeah, he yeah. kind of put it in the format, but he kind of had a sort of certain style where he kind of spruced up yeah. some of the tales, which I wasn't really too into. Right. Um, and didn't quite have some of the, probably made it more uh, readable. I don't know, that's not probably the word. What's the, what's the word? But anyway, it was easier to read for some people, yeah. you know, or more mainstream audience. But I was kind of like, well, if I'm going to write it down, I just want it to sound like, like you. Ex- exactly like me. Yeah. So... Yeah, it was it was a difficult process, and I did quite a lot of editing, even just with my flatmate, yeah. just bashing away in the in the flat, kind of doing it. But I don't know, it's the kind of thing. It's cool, it's out there. And yeah, I think it's I mean, such a lot of work though. Doing yeah, those it was, things. It was, it was, it was weird, but it's, it was a lot of work. But compared with the films, it wasn't. That was the thing. It almost wasn't enough work. Right. You know, it was more just kind of felt like you were on like churning something out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it probably felt a little bit more like work as well. Like I don't know, it was a weird, it was a weird thing. Yeah, and it was just because I didn't have, I couldn't, don't know, kind of quality control it. Yeah, like no, I, I would, understand. You like know, to... in a certain way, but it's cool. I mean, I've got a lot of good feedback over, uh, you know, of it, and I mean, I quite like the idea of some sort of young teenager or whatever reading it, and then yeah, kind of just sort of maybe I don't know what they would maybe get from it, but just. I mean, talk a lot about obviously growing up in the sky and all that kind of freedom. Yeah. And kind of getting out there. But sort of getting out there and doing stuff. Yeah. But it'll take me a while to be able to kind of pick up again. and Sure. Yeah. Um, well, that can happen when you've got those projects, can't it? Yeah. To, but it's like, done. Got, got to know, leave them for time, a while. There's time for another one somewhere down the line. So, nah. w- well, final question, um, which is an obvious one, but what what's next then? What's the next project? Next project? Well, I've had a kind of quiet. Um, couple of years really 2018 was a slow it was a slow year for me because i was uh i brought my kneecap film a big project end of 2017 and that didn't really it gave me a lot of issues all through 2018 I had to get another operation on it uh 2018 what did they do to that then uh just i luckily didn't need to get it wired up oh, when man. i broke it it's so making me cringe at the yeah it was actually it's not that sore yeah I, mean, I had knee pads on so it dulled right any big bruising but i kind of shattered the kneecap but luckily didn't need to get wired, which was good. Um, but then when I'd done that, I'd, when it healed up, it, uh, I had a little bit of damage to the cartilage underneath it, so they had to go in and do a wee arthroscopy right. just before Christmas last year. Um, so this year, we kind of I've done a couple of films, did a new one with Adidas. Uh, yeah, because you just, fun. just signed, you yeah, just just signed, signed with Adidas. Adidas. Yeah. Yeah, which that. has been cool. Um, so I'm kind of pretty hungry. I also launched a, a wee video, Danny Daycare. Yeah. Also, uh, which is another sort of fun-based kind of thing. Well, that, that had a lot of humour in it, didn't it? Yeah. yeah so, I mean, they're, was... they're like fun, but that was a long-term project, yeah. personal, kind of like The Ridge. Yeah. It was like a personal project. Um, 
but plan i really want to prepare some more films you yeah know, like i've really this year's been fairly dominated with drop and roll yeah kind of just sort of getting back into the swing of things uh writing wise but i've got a project plan with gopro hopefully um october kind of time yeah should be something quite cool something new for me um i also fancy him with with uh didis i'm really fancying doing something in asia as well right they're um, massive in china aren't they always, yeah so it's, it's kind of something that's kind of one of that's one markets, of the reasons um that's one of the reasons i was really into um working with adidas yeah because they they're so big in the asian market and yeah. kind of maybe open up some budgets over there yeah, sure. to be able to go and do some really cool stuff great wall yeah it's, it's just a different <laughs> it's just a different it's a different world especially china it's like this may as well be the, the moon you know because yeah. they don't have any of our own any of our social media uh platforms that we have over here yeah some of it might filter over but chances are they've not seen many bike films like the stuff um some of us have been making kind of things so be cool to do some stuff over there yeah it's mad um, you've been there right china yeah only i've only been to shanghai it wasn't like a proper china experience quite yeah. high end it was i like, went to beijing and i had like two days in beijing on my own and it was it was actually great because like you can't get on the internet can you you got you've got no social mm. so it was a bit like phone didn't really work but like wow it's probably like the most actually remote i've been in about <laughs> 15 years quite enjoyed it it's quite nice yeah like well yeah mad culture shock definitely yeah i'm quite looking forward to doing some more work i mean when i was over there it was for like an awards ceremony and stuff so it was right not really seeing the real china yeah kind of thing but um kind of opened my eyes though seeing the sort of the way that all the sort of platforms work out there and yeah be cool to maybe try to get some viral stuff going over in china maybe yeah right we'll see uh also i've always always wanted to do something in japan right uh, like even since i worked in the bike shop down and uh, just down the road here used to uh, play alphaville big in japan right as a joke we'd always <laughs> like we'd always joke about just making a video to that there so maybe one day but yeah i mean for the net for the foreseeable future i'd like to just sort of carry on making films maybe like to focus a little bit more on making a few more films if i can yeah if my body lets me yeah um just because i've got too many ideas to get down on that so i just sort of need to get on with it yeah because i've only got well there's maybe like a certain few years at the sort of top end the cutting edge of of the sort of trials writing yeah is that uh, how you feeling a little bit you know, you i'd like to i'd like 34 to think now? uh thir- i'll be 34 this year yeah um no i'd like to think i've got a good i've got a solid few years yeah you know um but you never know yeah all it takes is one stupid injury and sure it might kind of limit you a bit but uh yeah i'd like to just sort of i really want to do the best i can while i can so yeah yeah, yeah. so you're gonna ride today yeah you're gonna be riding see how this little leg uh holds out it was actually pretty good it's not been swelling too much which is pretty handy and yeah i'm gonna send off my scans to see if my meniscus needs chopped out but um for now it seems to be all right yeah well thanks for doing it man good to chat excellent yeah nice one so there you go that was me and danny and i hope you enjoyed it and what a lovely charming lad he is eh and what a privilege to get his take on the whole mad last decade obviously i would really recommend you check out all his films and follow him on insta because the lad's a legend and his work continues to astonish thanks also to my friend till 
um, for his help in setting this one up. Big help there, Till. Appreciate it. So there's no housekeeping corner for this one, given that it's, uh, well, a special episode. So if you want more, then head on over to episode 100B with Nicholas Muller right now, and I'll see you there. Go on. Nice one. <laughs>